Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. We're going to have a really fun night. Uh, For those that are new, uh, I am Pastor Daniel, and I get the privilege of sharing with you guys tonight And we're in a series called You Asked For It. And where you guys have been submitting questions. And uh, as we started getting these questions, there were some doozies that came in. And that sounds like fun. So here we go. Uh, You guys asked, how can God exist when there's so much pain and evil in the world? What does the Bible say about pain and suffering? And I started looking at these questions and it brings up, Where do bad things come from? Why do they happen? Why is there so much pain and suffering in our world? If God is good, how come everything isn't good? And so we are going to answer as many of these questions as we can tonight. I have more notes than I do time, but I will let you out when I run out of time regardless, so don't panic. So uh, first off, What does the Bible say about pain and suffering? I'm going to start with the bad news because I like to end on a high note. Uh, It it says that in this life, you will have pain and suffering. Uh, It it goes through, in fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, he goes through and he tells this parable and he goes, this, he goes, "The, the person who hears my word and does it is like someone who builds their house on a rock. And then he goes through and he's like, the person who hears my word and doesn't apply it is like the person who builds their house on the sand. But as he goes on in this story, he goes, but the storm comes to both of them. The man whose house was built on the rock stood strong. The man whose house was built on the sand went splat. Uh, or I guess it went, it, it crashed, but I still remember it from like uh, nursery. I'm like, what is this nursery? nursery? And the house went splat and we all clapped. But when I look at this, he goes, okay, so no matter what, Both groups had storms. Christianity doesn't promise a life of ease with no challenges or problems as much as I wish it did. I wish I could say, hey, pray this prayer, no more problems, magic wand, but that's not what the Bible promises. So if that's not what the Bible promises, where are these problems coming from? And this is an old, old question. So if you're like, you know, I, I think I am like way out there thinking about this. The Bible records this in the oldest written book of the Bible. So the earliest piece of history is Genesis, but the earliest recorded book is the book of Job. And in Job chapter nine, he's going through and he's listing some things that are, are off in the world. And he goes through and as he's looking at this, he said, well, well this happens and this happened and, and he must cover the faces of the judges. If it's not him... Who else could it be? And I looked and I go, that's, that's the question that so many people are asking right now. That was the question that came in from several people. And as I looked, I was like, well, there's, there's three, three causes of pain and suffering. <clears throat> I'm going to start with the easiest one. And they'll get uh, a little bit deeper as we go. But the first one are poor decisions. Uh, Has anyone in here ever used a hammer? Has anyone ever hit any of your appendages with said hammer? Okay, about the same number as have used the hammer. So 
Uh, you have discovered that you have the ability to inflict pain and suffering upon yourself. Um, so sometimes we can cause pain through stupidity. Sometimes we can cause pain through uh, not looking at the big picture. When you're missing details, you can be really smart and do something really stupid. So my parents have picked on me for years in messages, so it's my turn. <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, I don't think it was me who hid the books, but when I was a kid, I uh, just had to throw that out there, but I, I came home from a mission trip and my mom uh, had just hurt herself. And I'm like, what happened? And she said, well, uh, my, my mom loves to garden. She loves growing things. And she loves her trees. Don't mess with them. And there were some web worms that were trying to take over some of her fruit trees. And she got back from a run and she's like, not a chance. And so she goes and she prunes and snips off the branches with the web worms. But they're pretty hardy and they cause problems. She's, so she piles them up in the burn pile and then's like, I'm going to burn them. I'm going to make sure I burn them. I'm going to burn them all. So she goes and gets gas. And she pours gas on them. But some of you guys are already gassed because you know that gas, when you light it, it can go boom. And so she moves the gas can, but she realizes, oh, wait, I forgot the matches. I better go get the matches. So she runs up to the house, grabs the matches, runs back down. And she's going to light this, but she realizes that it might go boom. So if this was the, the fire pit, she stands back, maybe about like this far, and is like, yeah, I'll be good. Lights the match and tosses it in. But what she didn't realize was that it was a very still morning. There was no wind. And the fumes from the gas had spread out across the ground. So when she's standing here far away from the pit and where she had poured the gas, the fumes actually were surrounding her. And so when she threw the match, kaboom! But instead of just being there, it came in from all around her and then came back. She actually got burnt worse on the back of her legs than on the front. And she goes flying back. I came back. She had a blister this big on the back of her leg. Now, that was not a set out to do something stupid. That was a very well-intended thing. She's trying to get rid of those, but there was a minor oversight. And sometimes our minor oversights can produce pain and suffering in our lives. And as I say that, I don't think there's anybody in here who's like, really? Are you sure? My stupidity cannot cause... Most of us would agree, but it starts to get a little bit more complicated or people get more confused when somehow the thing that you did was wrong. So, okay, May 16 of 2005, I picked on my parents, I got to pick on me. I too had some stupid moments. I, I was going to go rock climbing with a friend and then she called and she's like, oh, nope, something came up, I can't climb. I'm like, well, that's boring but I still want to climb. I'm going to go climb. And they've got a, a rule that you can come and climb on your own if you want. At this climbing gym, you just need to stay below eight feet. And so you can just, they call it bouldering as you climb around the outside. And so I'm like, all right, I'll just do that. But I get there and I start and I'm bouldering for a little bit. And then I'm like, you know, last week I was working on this route that was really cool. It was more than eight feet. It's probably, oh, 25, 26 feet, something like that, up to the top. And uh, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I know the rule says not to climb. 
But that's just to protect me. And, you know, because I don't have someone manning the ropes to make sure that I don't crash. But, you know, two mats should equal one friend, right? I mean, they got these thick mats. And they're like this thick. I'm like, if I pile up two of those, that's like this thick of this crash pad. It's literally called a crash pad because you can crash on it. So I, I take a mat, I drag it over there, and the gym is really quiet. So I just rent, grab the other mat and drug it on top, put it on top. And I'm like, sweet. I have seriously thick cushion. I will be fine. And so I climb this route, and I get up to the second hold from the top, and I slip. I'm like, ah, no worries. I got a crash pad. And I am like not panicked at all, but whatever. I'm falling on a crash pad. And I turn, but when I look down, I realize that the crash pad goes from here that way. The route had taken a turn. And so I was no longer directly centered over my mat. And so my left foot hit the mat and my right foot hit the floor. Can you put up that first x-ray? There's uh, the other one. Okay, so that's my heel. Um, those are a couple metal plates holding the screws. And you can't, it doesn't even look like that many screws in this picture. You can only see like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like you can only see like half of them, not even. If you go to the next picture, it looks like spaghetti because then you can see where they're all coming through. I am not sure if my doctor was amazing being able to put that together or if he was like a really bad carpenter. Have you ever seen like a bad, like you get a good carpenter and there's a nail, or maybe two. And you get a bad one, there's like 20 of them like all sticking out everywhere. You're like, what did you do? Um, he was either really good or not. But, but I, I made a mistake. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, uh, God can't be mocked. What a man sows, that he'll also reap. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. And it's really easy for people to look at this and go, well, you sinned, therefore God is punishing you. And I look back at them, I go, no. God told me not to do it because he knew it was on the other side. When I crashed, it wasn't God going, that's it, I gotta do something because you're disobeying the rules. No, he put a, there's a rule in place going, honor them, they're going to protect you. And I went around the rule and I found what he was trying to protect me from. That is not his fault. That is my fault. But a lot of times when we come at these things, we, we can go, all right, well, then God must be mad at me. These consequences to these actions must be God getting back at me. But that's not the case. Sin produces death. Um, in G- uh, James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, The desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Proverbs 19.3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. I can't tell you how often people disobey God and then get mad at God for how it turns out. And they'll sit here and they'll be like, why did God let this happen to me? I'm like, okay, hold up. Let's rewind. What just happened? I'm like, I married this person and it, was, it turned out so horrible and they're abusive and they're da 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 And you're like, didn't we talk about this before you got married and the Bible says not to marry an unbeliever and you said it didn't matter? This isn't God punishing you. This is God trying to save you and you ignored it. Isn't this financial mess because you ignored the verses that talk about the borrower being servant to the lender? Isn't this mess that you got fired over lying about what happened at work 
in direct, when you directly disobeyed what God said and said, do not lie, and you did it anyways, and they fired you for your lack of integrity? I have had these conversations and they want to blame God because it didn't work out right, but they didn't do it God's way. If you have directions and you don't follow them, it doesn't work. Do we have any bakers in the house? Okay, so uh, I, 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 the other day, I was going to cook something for an uh, illustration. I, I like illustrations and so... I got this idea, I'm like, I need to make something with two ingredients that turns out to be something completely different than what you started with. And so I found this recipe for two ingredient cookies. And it was applesauce and almond flour. And I'm like, sweet, I'm gonna make these. There's, they have decent reviews, they're gonna turn out fine. And I'm gonna use these for this sermon illustration. And so I go, and I get my applesauce. It took me forever to find, to actually get the applesauce. It kept being on my to-do list because it wasn't a sermon I was doing that week. It was just this idea. I'm like, this is gonna be great. So I get the applesauce, I go to make them and we had almond flour, but we didn't now. Like I, we had it and I don't know what happened to it, but it was gone. I'm like, ah, oh, no worries. I'll just use regular flour. Now, the bakers are already oh-knowing because they know that inside of wheat flour, there's gluten that some of you guys know because it bothers your stomach, but it is a gluey substance that helps some things stay together. Well, it turns my two-ingredient cookies from a cookie to a rubber disc with a hint of an apple flavor. It was so, like, so bad. They looked somewhat presentable, but they could have been a display unit because it was never going to change. Like, but it's really easy to go, well, why didn't it turn out? I used flour. It's supposed to be almond flour. Well, yeah, but I kind of followed the directions. And you'd look at me and go, kind of doesn't work. You kind of changed it, so you kind of messed it up. And you'd look at me and, and blame me and you would be right. But a lot of times God says, hey, I've got this great plan for you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's how to treat your spouse so you can have a great marriage. Here's how to walk in integrity. Here's how, and we go, hey, that's great, God, but I'm just gonna change this over here. And then when it doesn't work out, we're like, God, why did you do this to me? He's like, I didn't. I tried to help you out of that. I saw it coming and I told you how to avoid it and you ignored me. So, point number one, where does it come from? Pain and suffering can come from my stupidity or from my poor choices. Number two, other people's stupidity. <laughs> other people's choices affect us. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 is a sad verse. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, you would like it to read, and a fool suffers harm. If you're an idiot, you should be affected. But no, it's not what it says. It goes, if you just get near somebody who's being stupid, their stupid can affect you. And it, it doesn't even require grand stupidity, but it sure can. So when I, I got arrested once, uh, but it wasn't my fault. But a companion of fools suffers harm. So my, uh, I was up north and I needed to be downstate for some stuff. And this was before I could drive. And 
I, I will leave my brother nameless. I have multiple brothers, but one of them got commissioned to come from Grand Rapids up to Lake City, pick me up and bring me down because we were all going to, there was a youth trip and I was going to go on the same youth trip that they were. And I will just say they were not pleased with this commissioning. And so they drove up, picked me up and complained a bit and took off. But they were trying to get this task done as quick as possible. Not as quick as legally possible, just as quick as possible. And so We'll just say that the speeds were at least triple digits and we were moving along well and passing people quickly. And uh, somewhere along the line, somebody thought what we were doing was unsafe and they called the police. Or maybe a few of them did. And so the police decided that the way to help us was to put out an unmarked cop car going down the highway waiting for this, uh, this car to come screaming past it. And sure enough, we did. Now, I say we did because I was sitting in the passenger seat buckled up. Now, what wrong was I doing? I was sitting there very calmly, doing nothing. But that didn't help because the driver was driving excessively fast. And then when we went flying by and all of a sudden this car just turned on all these fun lights, my brother decided it was a good time to take a scenic exit. And he took an exit and then a quick turn. And then when the, the, the flashing lights came around that corner, he figured they must be for us, so he pulled over. Now, the officer called that fleeing and eluding, but he, he thought he was taking a scenic route. Now, when, when, the, when the officer showed up, the officer you know, comes out with his, with his gun drawn and like, hey, step out of the vehicle with your hands in the air. And, and my brother stepped out of the vehicle with his hands in the air. But I'm sitting here innocent as could be, but they arrest me too. And put me in the cop car and take me to the cop station. And, and all this, why? Because I was with somebody who was doing something really stupid. And just by being in their vehicle, I was an accomplice to their stupidity. And, and you look, and, and I can tell lots of stories of stupid, but I bet, <laughs> I bet you could probably tell as many stories of stupid as I can. And you could look through and go, yes, I can tell you whose stupidity affected me. And you could start to list people who did things, some of which were incredibly stupid, and some of them were just not seeing the big picture. And so there was unintended consequences to their well intended actions that you may have suffered from. But as, as I look at this, I go, sometimes the people who's stupid affects us aren't even close to us. See, it's easy enough to recognize that if I walk up and punch you, you're like, it's your fault. <laughs> you're right. But sometimes someone far away does something that affects you. I remember years ago, someone introduced us to some vitamins and these vitamins were amazing. Like if you took them for like three days, you felt it. And I am not the biggest fan of like multi-marketing stuff, but they had it set up kind of multi-marketing. I'm like, shoot, I am so impressed with these vitamins. I will let some people know we're going to use them either way and we're going to end up covering the cost at least of our vitamins. Maybe we'll make some money. We'll see. But they, they were great. We started telling a few different people and, and we were loving these. And then all of a sudden, they stopped working. And we're like, what just happened? Like, these vitamins were incredible. And we knew enough people, like, up in this, we're like, all right, what is going on? And they're like, well, let me find out. And they, they 
it goes up this chain and it comes back and they're like, there's some board members that decided that they could make more money if they added more filler. So the product that you're getting has the same active ingredients, just a lot less of them. Like, what? This is pointless now. This is just a waste of money. This is like apple, ground up and dried out, stuck with like two pieces of vitamin. And I was really annoyed because somebody else's choice to be greedy affected me. Now, on that one, it wasn't a a great, great effect. But if you watch TV, you are stuck seeing a whole bunch of commercials that say, if you were injured by, if you took this, you may be liable for compensation. Because we think that somebody far away that you've never met stupidity may have affected you. We think that they may have done something that their greed may have affected you. Their oversight, their lack of investigating what they were giving you or them cutting corners may have affected you. And we look at it and go, okay, so I can start to connect these dots and recognize that sometimes I'm affected by somebody I don't even see or know. Sometimes it may be a health thing that may be because of a product that I was using or eating. It may be because someone cut a corner because they didn't care about the user at the end. And it may be that they made a policy that affected me. But as as we begin to head down this this road, we, we get to where the dots get harder to connect, but really, really important. Because I can look at a lot of things and you could walk with me and go, yes, I can see where this pain was caused by my choice, my friend's choice, my brother's choice, my wife's choice, my cousin's choice. Like, you know, maybe I can even see some that you're like, okay, this is from the manufacturer of X, Y, and Z that <clears throat> should have put a label that was warning, hey, this will cause, could cause. But what about things like tornadoes and earthquakes? Floods and disease, birth defects. And we can look and all of a sudden we go, well, well how do you, who do you blame? Whose fault is this? Who's stupid? Here's, here, here's the <clears throat> important thing. What we often, we, we live in a very individualistic society and we live in a very compartmentalized society. It's something about our fast-paced culture and we think everything that happens to me should be about me right here, right now. And when we want to look at how it's being affected, we go and we look in this circle that is right around us. However, uh, <clears throat> the Bible lays out that time that, that we're connected. And he goes through going, in Genesis, God lays them things out. And he made the earth and he made it awesome. And there was no pain, there was no sickness, and there was no death. And God laid out his plan on the earth. And it was, it was going to be good. And he was going to walk with man and have fellowship with them. And he gave them one rule, one way to honor God and to say, God, we're setting this aside for you. And we're not, gonna, we're not supposed to touch this. And, and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says that God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. When he did this, God made the earth and then he made Adam and put him in the driver's seat. He said, Adam, 
Here it is. Beautiful and shiny. Everything is good. There is no pain and suffering in it. It was awesome. Adam crashed the car. If you are riding with a drunk driver, it does not matter if you are drunk. You were riding in Adam's car. We were affected by his decision. When Adam chose to sin, he crashed. And he gave the keys that he'd been given over to the devil. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it calls Satan now the God of this world. In uh, Ephesians, it calls him the prince of the air. In Romans, it says that just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. When Adam sinned, he let sin in and he gave over dominion. And when he did that, there's so much of the earth that was affected by sin. We often think of, yes, I can be affected, but it goes through in Romans chapter eight. It says, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. And that creation um, in it, in a hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. He goes through and says that creation itself became subject to futility, to weakness, to decay, to pain, and to suffering through what Adam did. When Adam opened up that door, it brought so much. And it leads us to point number three. The devil is evil. And, he, and this, is, this is a problem that a lot of, in particularly Americans, a lot of Western culture um, struggles with. We forget that the devil exists. And so we end up like Job going, well, if it's not God, then who? And if you don't recognize the devil, we blame everything on God. But when we look at our Bible, it says that the thief, the, referring to the devil, John 10, 10, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to bring life and life abundantly. Now, those are very, very different. To kill, steal, and destroy, life and life abundantly. And he lays it out, and it's this, this spot where so many people get, get hung up. And he goes, in Revelation 12, verse 17, it talks about the devil, talking to him, referring to him as a dragon. And it says, when he, he was enraged with the woman, this was the woman that he was trying to stop from having the Savior. When he couldn't stop God's plan, it says, he went to make war on the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God. Satan goes, I can't hurt and stop God, but God loves you. So I'm gonna try to hurt you. And we have an enemy. And the, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it said, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Your, your adversary, the devil, goes around, um, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the Bible says that he has become the God of this world. In James, we're told, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 9, after talking about the devil who's going around like a roaring lion, says, resist him, 
firm in your faith. If there is something that God is telling you to resist, do you realize that means it's not coming from God? And so many people are going, well, if it happened, it just must be God's plan for me or God's desire for me. If I'm sick, I guess God must want me sick. I wonder what he's trying to teach me. And he goes, I was trying to tell you to resist him. Well, you have an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. <coughs> and you're supposed to resist him. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. In Acts 10, 38, it says, Jesus of Nazareth with, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He was healing them. Who was the enemy? The devil. Who wanted to bring healing? Jesus. Why? Because the Father was with him. God's desire was health and wholeness, yet there were people that were broken and hurting. Not because God's desire was for them to be broken and hurting, but because there is an enemy. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And it's so important to begin to recognize the difference and to go, okay, hey, this is the enemy. This is something I am supposed to resist. And, and as, I, as I look at this, uh, there, there are so many people who go, well, why, <coughs> if God wants good, Satan's causing problems, why doesn't God stop him? Why? If God is so good, if God is so powerful, and <coughs> it's, a, it's a fair question. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus shares a parable with his disciples that actually address this and then it's laid out really clear in 2 Peter 3, 9. So in Matthew 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples. I'm gonna paraphrase this, this parable. He goes, hey, farmer goes out and he sows good seed. <clears throat> that night while he's sleeping, the enemy comes and sows weeds. He sows these tares in amongst the wheat. And then when stuff starts to grow, the weeds grow up with it. And when the servants recognize the wheat <clears throat> or the tares amongst the wheat, they go, hey, to the master, should we rip them up? And he goes, no. If you rip out the weeds, you'll end up ripping out the wheat too. And he goes, so wait until harvest time and then we'll deal with it. Then we'll separate them out. And I, and I was looking going, well, what does this mean? Jesus goes through and lets us know that the, the wheat are, are, are God's children, are those who are right with him. The weeds are the attack of the enemy. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long, long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this was their question on why, why Jesus hasn't come back yet. And he goes, I haven't come back yet because when I come back to judge sin, when I come back and put an end to it, then the game is over, the score is final. If he came back last year, then everyone who's gotten saved this year would not have been saved, would have been damned. And I, I looked at this, in fact, I, I sent an email over to our, our, so you may not know this, but as a church, we have a TV ministry. And so I sent an email over to Robin over in the TV ministry, said, hey, this year, just in 2023, how many salvations have we seen? 
just in walking by faith. So that's not everything that we do as a church. This is just through the TV ministry. And she said, over 12,500 this year, which is amazing. And it's, it's worth clapping. Jesus goes, the reason I haven't come back yet and put, it, put them all to an end is because that's 12,500 people who needed to know me. And I didn't want them to lose. I didn't want them to go to hell. And so I have been waiting. But when you look through, you discover that Jesus, his heart is for the broken. That when he sees people suffering, that, that his heart goes out. Even though he knows that winning is in the end, when he sees those that are broken and hurting, it moves him. And, and there's <clears throat> so much that we could go to with it. But, but I, I want to answer this going, okay, if, if I know that pain and suffering comes from my choices, other people's choices, and from the enemy, what do I do now? And First <clears throat> Peter chapter 5, which we just read, uh, I guess I just read a lot of verses, but it said to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And it goes through and I go, well, well why? <clears throat> God did not cause your pain, but God is the king of the reverse. And you go, well, what does that mean? Is this a game of Uno where you're throwing reverse cards? I don't know if you guys have ever fought at all. In, in fighting, there's a term called the reverse. And what it is, is where fighter one may be getting attacked by someone who's bigger and stronger than them. So they use the strength of their opponent against their opponent. And they go, hey, he's going to throw a punch at me. I may not be able to pick him up and throw him, but if he's throwing all of his body weight towards me, if I just grab his fist and roll it over, he's going to throw all of his own weight and he's going to go flying. I may not be strong enough, but if I can use his strength, God takes Satan's attacks all the time and flips them around. But when he does, people often get confused and go, it must have been God's idea. You go, no. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say he causes all of them, but he will work them all out. In Acts chapter 8, there's this amazing example. You, uh, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen just became the first martyr of the church. Stephen was just killed. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, a great persecution arose. So Satan is like, I got the, I got the church. I'm going to squash the church. The church has not yet left Jerusalem. I am going to crush it. I am going to bring persecution. I'm going to begin to start killing them, locking them up. People are going to be terrified and it's going to end the church. And God goes, nope. Verse four. It goes through and says, and those who were scattered, went everywhere preaching the word. He goes, you thought you squished the church in Jerusalem? I will use your attack to spread it around the world. And, and God does this all the time where, where if we'll take the pain and suffering, now we can hold on to our pain and suffering and sit there and have a woe is me party and just this big old pity party. Or we can say, God, God, help me. Let me cast my cares on you. God, help me. There has been pain. There has been suffering. There has been mess. And God will go, hey, I will take your test and make it your testimony. I will take your mess and make it a message. I will use you 
I will bring healing. In fact, he says in uh, first or second Corinthians chapter five, that he goes through and says that he gave those he reconciled, he gave the ministry of reconciliation. He goes, I will take you in the places that you're broken and I will bring healing in your life. And then I will use you to bring healing in other people's lives. I will take the spot that the devil thought he'd crush you. And I will use that in your life to crush the enemy. I will pour myself into you so that you can show my love to those around you. I will comfort you and you can use that same comfort for those around you. And God's desire is that we would be his hands and his feet. It's this amazing thing where it's, it's so easy to pray, God, send somebody because when God moves, he uses people. And so often we can be there and go, God, would you send somebody to help me? Would you send somebody to help them? And it, it, <clears throat> that's great. But I want to be that somebody. And I want to invite you. I want you to know that if you've gone through it, that if you've been through a mess, that that wasn't God's plan for you. And I know that there are people in here who have been through horrible circumstances. There are people that are watching who've been through atrocities. And I want to say that I am sorry. And I know that some of those may have been, some of them have been from our own stupid. Some have been through other people's stupid and their sin. Some of it have been attacks of the enemy, attacks up from the devil. But I want you to know that God wants to bring healing, that God wants to bring restoration. And I want to challenge all of us, that God wants to use you to be a minister to those that are hurting and broken. It's, the, it's part of the invitation that God has for us. He has this compassion and he goes, will you share my heart on those, to those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are orphans, those that are widows, those that are downtrodden, those that are brokenhearted. He says that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. This is part of his heart. And it, it hurts his heart when people, people think he's the one breaking them when he goes, I want to heal you. I want to bring wholeness to you. As I look and I go, okay, there, there are those in here in all sorts of different conditions. But there are those who have never received his healing. There are those who've never given their life to God. And it might be because they blamed God. They thought it was God's fault that things happened. Some well-meaning person spoke foolishly and blamed God for what, what happened to them, for the death that happened in their family. And they said, well, if he took my mom, if he took my brother, he took my cousin, I want nothing to do with him. There are people that have been carrying brokenness and hurt and have blamed God. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for the lies that, that you may have believed that have held you back from my Jesus that loves you so much. And I'm sorry if the people that hurt you were supposed to be Christians, that's supposed to represent God. But their selfishness hurt. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you that Jesus paid the price for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be right with him. And he invites you into a relationship because his desire is good. His desire, his plan for you is amazing. When we get to the end of this book, the devil's put away and there is no more sickness, no more pain. Every tear is wiped away. If you, you look and you go, you know, I, I don't know if I'm right with that, God. 
I want to give you an opportunity to make, to get right with him, to respond to his invitation. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you say, today, I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to know that God that loves me. I want to receive the forgiveness that he purchased for me. I'm going to count to three and ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise up your hand. If you're watching online, you can just type in, that's me. Who says, I I want to know that Jesus, I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. Awesome. Who else? Who else says, that's me? Most important decision that anybody ever makes. Another one over here. Who else? All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. And the Bible says, whoever calls in his name will be saved. So I'm going to invite you, whether you've done this before, whether you're making this decision tonight, to go ahead and pray this to me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid the price for my sins. I believe he rose again victorious over death, sin, and the devil. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'll hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my king and my Lord. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for him from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.